Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Well, welcome to more of Mad May. We're just loving this month where we are intentionally making a difference and creating opportunities to touch lives. Now, last Sunday, Mike Emmy had a great word for us. And he said something that was really good. It stuck in my heart. Make a difference, make a decision. So next Sunday, we have our Sign Up Sunday where you get the opportunity to sign up to serve and be part of building God's house. And yes, you can still sign up to serve online. You're gonna hear more about that through what I'm sharing. But we've had an incredible time so far this month. Mother's Day, Sisters in Person this past week. And of course, as I said, Pastor Mike, Amy was with us last Sunday. Now in the Old Testament, Joseph, you remember the guy who had the technicolored coat and went through all the crazy hardships uh, before coming out on the other side into God's promises. He said this, it's paraphrased sort of, what the enemy meant for harm, God has turned for good. So much is changing for good and we wanna step into that. For example, we're getting ready for our Wellington campus. Did you like that feedback? It is going to be so good to be anchored back permanently in the Wellington community. I don't believe that God wants us to come together in person or come together online week after week with nothing changing, no challenges, nothing happening in our God world, with us never taking our next step. So come on, let's pray before we get into this. Father, open our hearts and our eyes to see all those around us that have never heard about you or experienced you as an amazing father. Help us take up the challenge of making a difference in this month of May, amen. Well, now we're all ready to say together our favorite saying. Are you ready with me? Our hearts are open, my mind's ready. I won't be the same again in Jesus' name. Okay, so we're going to see in Matthew 16 verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. We know that. He said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against that. But later in Corinthians, Paul said that we are all co-workers with Jesus. So here we have Jesus building his church. And Paul says, you and I are working with him. People are God's field. People are God's building. People need to be reached need to be raised up, encouraged. The church needs to be enlarged and expanded, and we've been called to do it. Our mandate has not changed, not through the generations. We are the now generation that needs to stand in the gap and help Jesus build. In our family, we have a saying, if you build God's house, he will build your house. And we have seen that work powerfully in our lives and in the lives of so many others around us as well. Because building God's house brings a different dynamic and a different level of blessing to our individual lives. Now there will be days when we get tired, when we're not sure if it's worth it, but we have to remind ourselves and each other that it is. It has huge worth and huge value. We are here today because someone else never gave up on us never gave up on creating an atmosphere in which we could thrive and grow. 
it was worth it to them. So if Jesus is still building his church, building up people so that they can gather together and have an impact and have an influence on those around them, then I want to put it to you that church is not just something that you go to, but it should be something that you're part of building. And if it is something that we are all part of building, then we must know that God would never just leave us without the tools and the ability to do so. So today I want to look at some of those tools that we can use to grow people and grow the church. And I do believe that before that, we have to understand that the most powerful resource we have available to us is the power of the Holy Spirit. All the tools that we're going to look at need the power of the Holy Spirit breathed on them, and we need to pray for that and pray into that. But right now, it's not a question of whether you have any tools in your toolbox or not, but rather, are you using the ones that you have? So let's start with the first one, love. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We have a God who loves each of us so much uh, with all of our stuff, our difficulties, our dramatics. So how much more should we reach out and love others who come into our world? Too many people have been told what they've done wrong and they just want to be loved. Now, I am not talking about people who willfully go against God's word or those who cause division because the Bible is clear about those people and how we should deal with them. But I'm talking about that one who comes into the house because they need Jesus right now. Years ago, we used to sing a song and the words went like this, you will know we are Christians by our love. Can we sing that today? I love my husband and family so much. And because I do, I show it visibly in lots of different ways. I forgive them if they do something crazy. We laugh together, hug a lot, spend time together, drink way too much tea and coffee together. Now, I know that you're not going to have a massive group of people that you are that close to. But you can do it for one. You can make one lonely person feel really special and loved. Think about church, the different people that you will meet up with through your week, the people you work with. Think about how you can make one person feel loved and welcome. That simple act could be your part in building the church. Number two, hospitality. Peter goes on in 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love the without grumbling part. Like, do I have to? Obviously, back then, they weren't always too happy to help. But that's not us today. Amen. We're not like that at The Rock. Peter talks about hospitality right after love. Love people and be hospitable. Think about when you have people over to your home. You go out of your way to plan how you're going to welcome them, make them feel comfortable, is it all nice and clean and tidy? And you know what? It should be no different in God's house. If we are part of the family here, then we are all responsible for offering hospitality because we are called to reach out to new people. This is our house. This is our home. And you know, size does not equal friendly. You can go into a very more, uh, small group and feel that you were not welcomed. The same can happen in a big group. 
It's easy to be friendly with your friends, but what about the new person? They need us to be friendly and welcome them too, no matter whether we're in a big or small group of people. This is not a friendly house if you're only being friendly to your friends. Your life group is not a friendly place if you're only being friendly with that person you know well. And actually, it's the visitors that determine if we are a friendly church or not. You may never get onto the platform, may never preach a message, but an act of kindness and hospitality is more powerful in making people feel that they matter than anything else. It has everything to do with how generous you are in sharing what you do have. Do you invite people over for coffee? Do you share the good things that God has done for you? Do others want to be around you? Do they feel better after spending time in your company? Number three, serving. Peter goes on, 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, everybody has a gift. And Peter says that we should use them to build up others, to serve others. Everybody contributes to the team winning. Imagine if there was a sports game, say a rugby match, and the two teams were called Saints and Demons. So Saints versus Demons. So which team are we all rooting for? Saints are home. Well, imagine if the coach is sent out to play all by himself. When he's exhausted and completely overrun because the field is full of the other team all playing in their positions, they're helping each other. When he can't do it anymore, the stretcher is sent out to carry him off and everyone looks around for the next person in the leadership team to take his place. Sadly, many churches are like that. The players are all sitting on the sidelines shouting, great job, looking good, maybe even giving advice. But if you watched a match with the team doing that, what would you think of the team? Every one of us should get on the field. Everyone get involved. I do think that COVID has actually given us a spiritual half time, so to say, to rethink how we've been doing, that we need to do things differently because the harvest is great. Opportunities are great, but the workers are few. And the only limitation we have and will have in the future is how many people can we get into the game to play their position and play their strength? Now, one of the great dangers of a church of our size is that you could sit in a meeting and think, they don't need me. They don't need me to invite others to watch online with me. They don't need me to consider hosting a life group with a few people around me. They don't need me to serve. But every church needs every person to be hands-on whether you are in person or online. We are a body with many members, like a sports team, different people, different positions, different functions, but all part of the same team and all sharing in the wins. Think of kids' ministry, hugely important. D.L. Moody, one of the great preachers of the last century, said after meeting, two and a half people got saved today. He was asked, what are you talking about? Two adults and a child? And he said, no, two children and an adult. The children have their whole life ahead of them, but the adult's life is already halfway through. 
So never say, I'm just a kids worker or I'm just on the dream team welcoming people. There was a tent meeting many years ago and two young boys were trying to get into it, but it was very full and they couldn't find anywhere to sit. And an Asher saw them leaving and ran up to stop them. He said, wait, I'll find you a space. And he did. So they went in and actually everything changed that day because one of those boys was Billy Graham. Never say, I'm just helping people find their seat or I'm just saying hello. That could be just what that person needs to hear at that moment. A simple welcoming hello. So glad you came. So good to see you. And yes, I also have a serving area. For the past 28 years here in Paul and many, many years before that in Durban, I have been part of the worship team. That is not my job, it's my ministry. And no, I've never got tired of it and thought I needed a break or a change or time out or that someone else should be doing it for me. And it has looked very different through the years because church looks different. And I went through different seasons of my life, like having two small children and still getting there. But that has just been more energizing for me because the value of what I'm part of is always in front of me. Number four, it says in 1 Timothy 2, here are my directions. Pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Give thanks for all he is going to do for them. Pray in this way for kings and all others who are in authority over us. Pray for those in authority. No matter where you find yourself, every one of us can use our tool of prayer to help build the kingdom. God wants you to bring your own needs to him, absolutely. But you can also pray for our church, pray for wisdom for our leaders and for God to lead and guide us. Encourage your leaders. And I'm not talking about Mark and I, I'm talking about your life group leaders, your dream team leader, encourage the back of house leaders, tell them they're doing a great job. Most leaders today are most vulnerable in the area of discouragement. I went to a funeral recently and heard lovely things said about the person who passed away. And I hoped that the same nice things had been said to them while they were still alive because people can't read your mind. So be an encourager through prayer. Number five, worship. Now this should be a lifestyle, something we do every day, something we can do on our own but it is very powerful when we come together corporately. Some people don't think that it's important to be part of that, to be part of church family, getting together regularly and consistently. But we know that coals that roll out of the fire lose their heat. You cannot say that you're on fire when you're all alone on the sideline. And then there are those who come to church, but outside of one meeting on a Sunday, they only connect with people during the week who don't believe in Jesus, don't have the same conviction, don't have the same language. They don't hang around with other Christians and eventually their passion dies because being together lights our fire. Uh, if we look at Hebrews 10, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Gathering, being together is a huge part of us being Christians, of us being the church. The Bible tells us that Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath as was his custom. Not when the weather was good or they had a great speaker. 
Now we know that some can't be in the building, which is why we just love our online campus and all who regularly join us. But you still need to connect, which you can also do by being in an online live group. Yes, that exists. You can text online live group to the number on the screen right now and one of our team will get back to you to get you connected. You can still invite someone to watch with you. You can still share a message from our archives with someone that is going through a hard time. You can still be the church wherever you are. And by being online, chatting in the chat and connecting with others, you're building God's house. You are strengthening someone else. And here's another thing. How we come, our attitude when we arrive really matters. Everybody contributes to the atmosphere in the house. We have encounter nights on the last Sunday night of every month. And next week we have another one coming up in person. It is an amazing time of extended worship for me and it is my favorite meeting each month. But the most amazing thing is that the team that plays that night doesn't usually change that much. The song list isn't hugely different month to month, but the encounter experience can be completely different. Some are amazing and heaven falls. You can feel the electricity in the room and others, not so much. It's like wading through soup. Why is that? It's because everyone who comes contributes to the atmosphere. If people come in as spectators, it'll be dead. When everyone in the house is expecting for God to show up, that expectation is his invitation. So you and I really affect what happens in every meeting because we contribute to the atmosphere. And I want to ask you another really important question. And I really want to, I want you to think about this one. When was the last time that worship moved you? When you felt something and you wanted to put your hands in the air? Or maybe there was just a tear in your eye. Or maybe you had a big smile because something just exploded in your heart. Maybe you wanted to clap your hands. Just a response to Jesus and the Holy Spirit in that moment. When was the last time you had that? Have you ever had that? You know, Jesus could not do many miracles in his own hometown because there was no faith and no response. Worship is all about Jesus. You may have heard the story about the lady who went to the pastor in the meeting and said, uh, Pastor, I didn't get anything out of the worship today. And the pastor answered, I'm really sorry, there seems to have been a misunderstanding. We weren't worshipping you. But it's not about if we enjoyed it or not, or like the song choice, etc. But did we bring something for Jesus to enjoy? Think of a sports game. I mean, the big ones in stadiums. Real fans come early, they don't want to miss anything. Even quiet people morph into noisy people. Everyone is excited. Hey, even ticket prices go up every year, no one complains. And just a note, just to say, tithing has stayed at 10% for a couple of thousand years now, just saying. But if the game goes into overtime, the fans don't complain and say, how long is this going to be on? When is it going to end? So you being here, your receptivity, your faith, your response is helping build an atmosphere and is building the rock for Jesus. So I want to say thank you for being here. That's great. Number six, 
protecting unity. Now, let's be honest. Somewhere, somehow, sometime, someone will offend you. Every church has people that are Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. Every church has a grace grower. Every life group has one. You can leave here. You can leave your life group. You can go wherever you want to go. But I have to tell you something. Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper have cousins everywhere. So what will you do when offense does happen? Jesus said in Matthew 18, If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. That doesn't mean just pray about it, but that is a very powerful start. Or talk to other people about it. It means go to them, not text them. The average ratio in offensive situations is that the other person did 90% wrong and we only did 10%, if at all. And then we only focus on their wrong. But we need to look at our 10%. And yes, it is very hard to admit that we were wrong. But if you always want to be right, you will never be reconciled. You will just keep hitting heads with everyone. So the thing is not to move away, but rather say, God, what are you wanting to do in me? Unity is very powerful because it commands a blessing from God. And we do not want to build anything that does not have God's blessing on it. When we have unity, our church and the kingdom will grow. So be a protector of the unity. Number seven is giving. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.9, Honor the Lord with your wealth. We talk about this, we teach on it, we encourage it. Not for the sake of the house, but we believe that God wants each and every one of us to grow. He wants us stronger. He wants our world to enlarge. Robert Morris jokes that there is a cord that connects your wallet to your heart. And I think that that's actually more true than we want to admit. One of the hardest things for us to do is take our place in the kingdom as a generous giver. For some of you, giving to God is still something that you really struggle with. But think about it this way. Imagine a child with fries and a Happy Meal. Dad says, can I have a chip? The child says, no, you can't have any. Mine. What does the dad think? Hey, I paid for that. I gave it to you. He can stop those Happy Meals and fries coming or he can make more come. He is the best fry maker and he will keep them coming to you if he can get them moving to and through you. The impact, however, that the church has when everyone in the house is faithful is huge. Individually, we could not have put in 16 water wells into villages in Zambia and seen churches planted there. Thousands of lives radically changed. Individually, we could not have seen thousands of teenagers over the past 12 years have leadership principles anchored in their heart through the stand camp so that they were strong enough to stand a need. Individually, we could not have planted a campus in Wellington that is going to impact lives, impact families for generations to come. But by being faithful in our giving, we can. We have a greater reach. And lastly, number eight, the invitation. We know that God wants us to love him, and love each other, but he also wants us to reach out. That is the great commission in Matthew 28. Reach out to the lost, the hurting, 
And also the people that you know that you think are doing okay, but they just don't know God yet. We are here to reach our valley and we have the tool of invitation. You know, heaven and hell are real places with real consequences. God never intended and never created hell for any of us and will never send anyone there. But too many reject him because they have never heard, never been invited to hear the life-giving message of love and salvation. I am not talking about religion with rules and regulations. I really don't believe that anyone has had a bad God experience, but I do believe that many have had a really bad church experience. The tool of invitation is one of my most powerful tools because people come to Jesus through a process, like links in a chain. You don't know where you will be in the chain, which link you'll be. Just please don't be the missing link. God wants everyone to hear about and experience his love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but it goes on to say that the gift of God is eternal life. So just imagine a church where everyone is using the tools that they have. It would be a vibrant God family that will impact the community, touch the region, reach the nation, and beyond for Jesus, for God, for good. Isaiah 54, 2-3 says this, Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You are going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. If you will build God's church, if you will build God's house, he will build your house. Now, as we close off today, maybe you've been listening to this and God has been speaking to your heart about your role in building his church. Maybe you haven't stepped fully into everything he has actually planned for you in his kingdom. You haven't really been using your gifts because you thought that you maybe needed to build your own house first before you built his house. You thought that somebody else would do it for you or a thought that what you have is not really that valuable. I believe that today God is wanting you to stop and think about how you can be a co-worker just like Paul. And for some of you, he's speaking into your heart right now about your next step and what you need to do. But maybe you are here and you don't know what it is to have a relationship with God. You've had religion and that hasn't felt right or hasn't gone well. The amazing thing about the love of God is that he has already reached out to you, but it's now waiting for you to recognize that and accept it for yourself. He doesn't want you to try to get yourself all perfect before you do that because he is waiting to walk that journey with you. But you do need to choose to surrender your heart. And if you would like to do that today, I would love to pray a prayer with you. A very simple but very powerful prayer. It's not about any church or a denomination, but it is about running into the arms of a loving father and receiving salvation through Jesus Christ. So if that is you, just pray this after me. Let's pray. Father God, forgive me for living a self-life. And thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you gave your life for me on the cross. Just so that I can have a real relationship with you. Please help me become all that you have created for me to be. Amen.
Well, welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. I'm so excited for you and I want to remind you that you are so loved. Now, I really do pray that you have a great week ahead. But everybody, don't forget that next Sunday is Sign Up Sunday where you get to make a difference by making a decision to be part of building God's church. Until then, hey, take care everyone. And as we always like to say, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.